welcome to the 62nd episode of the Karscast MovieCast. Uh, before we get into this, Jeff, I have a, uh, a quick yep. trivia question that I did not pull up beforehand. Uh, what <laughs> distant planet circles the sun every 84 years? So I'm guessing it's just one of the... Wait, a distant planet that circles the sun every 84 years? Yeah, any planet. So I guess it's just like, I don't know, Neptune? It is Uranus. Uh, not as a joke, it's just Uranus. Uh, yeah. But maybe next week, Jeff. Uh, anyways. I think I'm like O for the last 10 of these. <laughs> um, we have a special guest today that I'm personally very excited about. Uh, I am you may too, know- I just want to make that known. <laughs> It's only me. Uh, You may know him as a writer for The Good Place or The Late Late Show with James Corden. You might know him from his hit podcast, The Gilmore Guys. Or if you're a fan of mine, you may know him from Letterboxd. Thank you for being here, Demi Adigiwebe. Thank you for having me. Is it Adigiwebe or is it just Adigiwebe? Yeah, you nailed that. Which I, until you started the introduction, I was like, oh, he forgot to do the thing where he asked how to pronounce my last name. But then you (laughs) You just went for it. Yeah. I came I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, this is a long time coming. We yeah. were supposed to do this a while ago, back when I was living in L.A., and because of some uh, situations, we could not. But uh, right. we made yeah, it I was going to drive there from Chicago, and yeah. then, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just like two days before we were going to leave, I, uh, I canceled that one. Yeah. Um, but it's good to have you here. I'm personally very excited. I watched your talk at the XOXO Festival from oh, like two years you. ago, and it is... As someone who is like making content on the internet uh, right now, it is a very good talk. It made me feel pretty good about myself. And uh, good, thank yeah. you. So thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you because yeah, I feel like this is the only podcast where a majority of the people listening probably know you from Letterbox of all places. Sure. <laughs> um, what is like like what's your general experience with that website? Because I haven't really gotten the chance to hear you talk about it. And it's. It's a weird place. <laughs> it's a very weird place. I, I think I found Letterboxd when I was in college, maybe like, honestly, I want to say like eight years ago. Like, it's been a while that I've just had it in as a thing that I've used. And I always have just been like, it's just a way to keep track of the movies I've seen and to keep a list of movies I want to watch. Right. But, and it's like, I've always not taken it too seriously because for me, it's like, I, I genuinely like have awful memory and will often just be like, I don't remember watching that movie or if I do, mm-hmm. I don't remember things about it. So I'm like, okay, it's just a nice place to like write down little thoughts about it. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, uh, it became linked to everything else that I do online. And therefore it like, I've sort of gained a following there. And then people have started having opinions about my opinions and sort of <laughs> having a weight behind me just writing pithy comments about it, and that's when it becomes a thing where I'm like, okay, there's a lot of pressure behind this, and I really am not trying to see myself as anything special. Yeah. I'm just a guy who is watching movies and will write down a few thoughts about them, but every so often it's like, okay, I guess uh, people are upset that I wrote this thing, or people want more on this thing, and I just wanted to write a joke about it because I didn't think too much about the movie, and now it's just like... I'm trying to not take it seriously and insist mm-hmm. that no one also take it seriously, but right. I really do love it. It's like I've met mm-hmm. a few friends through Letterboxd. I uh, I feel like it's made movie watching more of a thing that I I want to do. And like even in quarantine, I'm like, oh, I can just go through my watch list and look up all the shortest films and just be like, cool, we're watching six movies today yeah. because of Letterboxd. So it's been 
it's been equal parts nice and just like weirdly miserable in how people <laughs> insist that it is anything important and not just a website where you can write a sentence if you want. Right. That, yeah. Which is that's all I do. That's, that's, I feel like, you know, you pigeonhole you yourself do. by having some smart, insightful comments sometimes. Every so you, often. Yeah. And then if you don't want to have that, then people get mad because, you know, they're like, oh, I followed you because you're smart and know how movies work. And I then do not know how movies I just, work. Yeah. See, I just wrote about how some guy in front of me when I saw Ad Astra was vaping, like in the theater. See, that's what you got to do. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's my thing. I'm just one sentence. And then every other review will be, no one was vaping in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used that yet, well. so I think that might be my next review. Well, there yeah. you go. It's automatic half star if no one vapes. <laughs> Except uh, for that now, obviously, I'm not going to a theater, so that would just be... Yeah, no one in my... Uh, where I live was vaping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been... I follow you on Instagram, so you've been... You watched, like, six movies a day the other day? I mean... I did. <laughs> uh, that was just, like... It was just a runaway train. We watched Munich very late at night, and then right. the next day when we woke up, my roommate has been packing boxes because he made a record and, and was, like, trying to ship it to people. And then he was like, well, I just want to put on a movie while we do this. And then it took two movies for him to finish packing boxes. And then I was like, well, I mentioned this movie before. I'm just going to put it on. <laughs> and so we got through three. And then another friend of mine was like, oh, I really want to watch... Uh, Jennifer's body because a friend just lent it to me and I was like cool let's do that and then I was just like I've been on a roll watching movies how many can I watch before the day's over so <laughs> I just watched like seven in that day and it was like it was fun but it was also just kind of at a certain point I was just doing it because I was like how many of these can I do and I was like yeah. well that's not the point exactly yeah, yeah. feels yeah. like you have a pretty loaded schedule because like you also were making that Robert Pattinson pasta right <laughs> I did do that also yes uh, which was Fun and stupid. I uh, it was it looked delicious. It was delicious. It was essentially just a lasagna with a bun, but right. it was like also very sugary because he's a psychopath. But it was yeah. really fun to make. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, today we uh, we're, we're we're talking about a pretty fun movie. I'm excited to talk about it because I've wanted to talk about it for a long time. I imagine you're pretty excited to talk about oh, it. Oh, I'm very excited to you, talk about it. <laughs> you've vlogged it a lot. Um, today we're talking about I, Tanya. Uh, it is the, I don't, do you call it like a biopic on Tanya Harding? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, like the a, thing about this movie is I don't know how much is true, how much isn't. It's weird how they tell the story. We'll get into it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually looked up like a comparison of like what's true, what's not, and a surprising amount is true. Yeah. And a um, lot of it is like, because it's just sort of based on what they could gain from interviews it's like well you don't really know what's true and what's just something that they presented from their point of view which is why another reason that i really like it because it's like the truth doesn't necessarily matter as much as just mm -hmm. the perspectives of the people who are involved exactly um so before we go any further for anyone who doesn't know this is a film from 2017 directed by craig gillespie is that i hope that's how you pronounce his name he also did so. uh lars and the real girl which i was not aware of like uh, two days before this. Uh, that's pretty weird for me. Um, like you weren't aware that he directed the movie or you weren't aware of the movie? I, was, I wasn't aware that he directed the movie. Oh, I love yeah. the movie. It's just completely different than yeah. this, well, kind he also of. I directed the John Hamm going to India to find baseball players movie. Million oh. Dollar Arm? He did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I know he directed Fright Night, which I have seen. I've not seen those other two movies. I really should watch Lars and the Real Girl. 
But I'm also very excited for his uh, Cruella live-action Disney film. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is... Uh, I'll, I'll read the Google synopsis as usual. Uh, in 1991, talented figure skater Tanya Harding becomes the first American woman to complete a triple axel during a competition. In 1994, her world comes crashing down when her ex-husband conspires to injure Nancy Kerrigan, a fellow Olympic hopeful in a poorly conceived attack that forces the young woman to withdraw from the national championship. Harding's life and legacy instantly becomes tarnished as she's forever associated with one of the most infamous scandals in sports history. Uh... Uh, so yep. yeah, I did not, uh, you, you guys are both, I think a few years older than me. I don't know if like this was, I mean, this happened a long time ago, so I don't know why yeah. I even brought that up, but this was pretty <laughs> much all mystery to me. There wasn't a lot that I could base it off of. Um, so going back to what we were saying before, I could have just believed everything that happened in this. And I, I, I think that's why I had so much fun with it because I didn't know how much there was to the story before. Totally. I know it. that my experience with it is I knew that it happened, but didn't really know the details and always just confused Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. I was like, I don't know which one of them did whatever. So it was just like, I went in going, I don't really know a lot about this, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also, yeah. Well, how old do you think we are? Because (laughs) me, (laughs) yeah. Cause I was like two when that happened. So no, I don't think you guys are that old. I, (laughs) that's why I took it. Jeff, you're 28. I actually just turned 29 two days ago. Happy oh, birthday. happy birthday. I Thank you. I, I I'm never just, said you, happy yeah, you didn't. You didn't say that. I just, you know. I, okay, I got the Facebook notification. I didn't know. I was like, is it actually his birthday? Uh, uh, so, it was a birthday people, prank. So happy, yeah, happy birthday. Put in the fake yeah. birthday on Facebook. Right. Um, and Demi, I'm going to say you're the same age, like 28. I think 27. Oh, 27? 27? Yeah, okay. All right. I was in the ballpark, you know. Yeah. You um, were. But, yeah, no, it was... You were, not you were close for me, but, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Demi, why did you choose this movie? I mean, obviously, you've had, like, eight different reviews for it where you... I have seen this movie nine times, and okay. I almost watched it a tenth, and I didn't just because... I was going to put it on last night because I've been, like, sewing and just was like, I'll put it on in the background. My roommate was like, no... <laughs> because he knows that I've seen it a lot, and I think he's just like, I don't, we don't have to do this again. Um, but I, I don't know what it is that draws me into this movie. I think it's just that, like, I think it's a fascinating movie. I think it's very pulpy in a way that I find immensely watchable, and I think that every single scene in this movie is one that makes me go, oh, this is a great scene. So yeah. just the prospect of talking about it and trying to figure out what it is that I love about it was so fun to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot of cool, like, themes and it, the way the story is framed is so delightful and I I think it came out at a time that I was really expecting it to be a lot bigger than it was but it se- seemed to go sort of like like people watched it it wasn't like a flop or anything but mm-hmm. it felt like a perfect me too era film and it never was mm-hmm. really seen that way mm-hmm. and I think that's partially because they marketed it as like an uproarious comedy and I'm like it is not really yeah, yeah. hilarious I don't know what no. they're doing I was going to bring that up I think it's kind of we were just talking about Parasite, which is kind of funny. I think this is also a pretty genreless film. I mean, it's yeah. it's mostly a drama, right? But I think it does have its moments of humor. I think at times it's uh, kind of suspenseful. I think it just... My point is I think it kind of fits into its own little box. And that's what I like so much about it. Um, but sure. I would agree, when I rewatched it, I didn't laugh 
that much. I don't think no. a lot of the moments that are supposed to be comic relief and play off like that in the trailer, I think are just completely, they're just uncomfortable, I think, in the, in the actual film. Yeah. Um, just because you grow, you like, you get to know the characters and mm-hmm. in that context, you're like, that wasn't, this isn't a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like when you're getting like the full context of the film and like when it was, you know, the, that era, especially in like women's figure skating and it's like how everything is stacked against Donya Harding. It's like hard to find some of these moments funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On a rewatch, there see there are moments in the beginning where you're just kind of like, oh, she's got a coat made of like rabbit pelts, and it's like kind of weird. But then like on a rewatch, rewatch, you're like, well, people made fun of her for this, and they see her as white trash, and she's poor, and, and all of these things. And you're like, it's not really funny as much as it is just like sad that this child is growing yeah. up this way. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I mean, with like the amount of talent she had, she could have like won Olympic gold if she was born into like other circumstances. Totally right. That's what I think is so sad about this. I think it's a really tragic film is like at her core. I think everything that happened to her was a complete like result of everything around her, like the media and her family and her relationships. Like it's all, it's just, it's just very, I don't want to say unlucky, but just unfortunate. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's Uh, like a very American story though, about like this fake, idea that anyone has like all this upward mobility mm-hmm. yeah if Where, this wasn't a, is, yeah sorry i was just gonna say if this wasn't like a real life thing that happened this movie could have easily have been called like american skater or something would be like oh <laughs> yeah that is kind of what america's <laughs> like but uh speaking of that i wanted to bring up just like you guys just said how american its filmmaking was i mean it's been compared to like scorsese and uh, the coen brothers a bunch like in that it's kind of this like American dream, but the opposite type of way mm-hmm. that it's telling it with the voiceover and the montages and the way they play with music. Um, that is something I really like about this. And that I uh, noticed on a rewatch is how it takes that uh, cliche, I guess of like what Scorsese usually does and kind of uh, makes it a bit more realistic and, and dark with its ending. I think yeah. it's kind of shows the reality of America as opposed to kind of the fantasy that he does. I- I also love that it, I think this is also something that Scorsese does with like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street where it's like you're showing a figure that you know to be like bad and it sort of gives you this moment where you're supposed to go like am I supposed to feel sympathy for her and then you do and you also are like told oh maybe it wasn't her fault but then you're also given all of these scenes where she says it's not my fault and you kind of mm-hmm. reckon with the fact that it's like these things might not necessarily be her fault, but we're not supposed to turn around and go like, well, then she's good. I think you're supposed to see her as like a very mm-hmm. flawed, very like sort of like yeah. shittily raised person and like treated poorly. And like it led to all of these things in her life, but she and also doesn't seem to want to take credit for them in a way that it makes you go. Okay. But at what point do you have to sort of sit and reckon with what you are and how much of this has been like your personality as a result of bad things and how much of it is your personality because you refuse to accept like, your ego coming into conflict with all of the things that you are truly good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the depth of this film in terms of like how large of a character she is, is, you know, it juxtaposed with what she's was actually known for, which was this like very singular event yeah. that everyone yeah. was judging her immediately as bad. And, you know, so it's like, obviously this film gives you such so much more of a more full understanding of like her circumstances and 
everything else that like led to this and why she's known for one thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm assuming, you know, more about this Demi. Do you know how much, how involved Tanya Harding herself was involved with this film? Like I remember her being upset, but also like cool with it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how involved she was with the film, but I do know that they've done like multiple screenings where she's been in attendance. So I feel like she can't, she's she's probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Um, we kind of brought this up earlier too. I, the thing I, I feel like I've said this for every point, but the thing I do love most about this film is how it's addressing abuse. Um, I think it does it in a really creative way, specifically with Alice and Janie's character, the mom. Um, a lot of those, Moments, I the way they wrote the script or the way Alice and Janie does the lines, it's like it makes me understand and forgive her really briefly. Like it, it like kind of puts you in Tanya's head and then immediately goes back when she throws something at her or, or says something right. horrific. I think the screenplay for this film is just so precise like that. And uh, it's kind of conflicting every time she's on screen. The way it, the way it's sort of like written it gives you those moments where like you see her mom do something and then you see tanya do like a very similar action and you sort of get to see the ripple effect of how like abuse has like shaped her and it's Mm -hmm. very interesting because again you're seeing this person like god she's such a fucking brat and then you see her mom like throw a knife at her and you're like oh yeah okay i guess that's (laughs) and that it has those moments where she uh says things where it's like uh uh, my mom beats me, but she loves me. And it's like, Oh God. And it's just all of these things where you are getting mm-hmm. like a full picture of why she's acting this way. And it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're getting into spoilers. I assume like we've started going into the assumption that everyone who listens to this has seen the movie. Right, right. Jeff. I mean, Unless it's I, like a super <laughs> new movie. Yeah. But, but uh, like when we did like Kazam, I, we weren't really too concerned about the spoilers. <laughs> um, but I, the, my favorite scene with uh, Alice and Janie, or where this is an example, is the ending where she comes to her house in the midst of like all oh. the, the media, and you think she's there because like she loves Tanya, and like it's kind of this uh, satisfying moment, and then she's wired, and it, it's just heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I gasped both times I've seen this film. And I've seen it twice. Like I, um, and also Tanya, like even numbers. though it makes it feel like she's like kind of this veteran of all like this media presence. Like in that scene specifically, she states that she's twenty three. Which I every time I watch this movie, I go, oh right, like Margot yeah. Robbie does not look twenty three. So I just keep going, oh okay, yeah. But yeah. it's yeah, it 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 is fucking like just staggering to get this moment where you go, oh, this is a child kind of. And it's Mm -hmm. like so many people in the Olympic world are just very young. And so to have someone who's very young and also going through this and has been through like a contentious divorce and has an ex-husband who would do something like this, you're just kind of like, good Lord, like to have so much of that so young, of course she's messed up. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about just because I know our listener base cares, but about the Oscars with this film Mm. uh do you think alice and janie deserved the amount of praise that she got Uh, i (laughs) think i love alice and janie i love her role in this movie i think she did deserve the nomination the only reason i'm like oh she shouldn't have won is because i think laurie metcalf should have won that year for ladybird thank you and i still (laughs) like every time i watch both 
uh, Ladybird and Itania. I'm just like, God, I hate that I feel this way because I love Itania, but right. Rory Metcalf's like role in Ladybird is so staggering. Yeah, but Allison Janney's is just sort of like uh, it's a little more fun than it is any. Like there are like two scenes where you just kind of go like, Ooh, that's the Oscar scene, and it's just right. like everyone was just kind of like, Yeah, we love Allison Janney. What are we gonna not give her an Oscar? Exactly. <laughs> I also I just thought that I don't remember who won Best Actress that year, but I thought Margot should have gotten it. Uh, I should have worn my shirt because I made a shirt that year that said Mar got robbied because I was like, <laughs> she's not going to win and I'm going to get mad about it. And every year I update the shirt. So it, it said Mar got robbied and then it said back in 2018, but I'm still mad about it. <laughs> and then I added uh, this last year. OK, but I also don't want her to win for Bombshell. <laughs> Was she nominated for Bombshell? She was. What did you think of Bombshell, real quick? Uh, uh, Bombshell. I forgot about it, so I just. Bombshell is one of those movies I call a magic trick movie, in that I watch it and I go, oh, pretty good. And then as soon as I leave the theater and I'm asked to talk about it, I go, wait a minute, what did I like about that? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was very good, and I think it was very, like. They were just kind of, they framed sexism as like a, it's very specific to this instance and very specific to Fox News, which we also won't get into the problems of Fox News. And I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to talk yeah. about all of it. Why even make the movie? Right. But yeah. I compare it to Vice a lot. And we've talked about Vice a good amount on this show. Okay, that Jeff, was <laughs> when I watched this. Yeah, that was the exact film that came to mind immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I personally, I know I'm alone on this, but I really liked, I didn't really like, but I liked Vice a bit more than this. I uh, liked Vice a little. But Vice was another magic trick movie for me where I was like, oh, that movie yeah. hates me, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, that was kind of what I had to say about that. Um, yeah. well, tr- who did win Best Actor? Was that? Oh, Francis McDormand. Was oh, that, yeah. That yeah. That, well, yeah, that was Three Billboards. And yeah. I, re- wow, I really forgot about that movie. I remember uh, really liking Another it magic trick movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of like, oh, what? What happened there? Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think Saoirse Ronan deserved it, but that's, I, I agree. Saoirse but never I also... brings enough, in my opinion. She's always oh, I like, think... I always love her, but she's never like there. She's never the best of the year for me. But maybe that's I think I me. agree. But she's also got, what, four nominations now? So I'm like, right. she's going to keep racking up the nominations. And then one, she'll get Leo status. And everyone sure. will be like, how has she not <laughs> done this yet? Yeah. She's only like 25. She's got time. Right. I didn't know how young Margot Robbie was. I mean, she's like, she's had a career. <laughs> right? Like, I was are, not aware. There are people who say she's lying about her age, which I could believe, but I could also fully believe that she is like 29. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, I, Tanya, what we came here for. I, I something Tanya. I really like about this, well, not really like, but I know Sufian was supposed to make a song for for it and it's really? like one of my favorite uh sufian songs and i'm i honestly i understand why it wasn't in the film but it's such a good song it's and a I, very good song it does not fit the tone of the movie does not. what song is this i think it's just called tanya harding in yeah. uh i and he has it in two uh i forget but it's pretty good it's very slow very it's it's like a sufian steven song uh but yeah it did not fit the soundtrack at all yeah. Uh, okay, one more just like back to this film. I think figure skating was like the perfect sport for this story. 
I mean, obviously, it's based off the fact that she was a figure skater. (laughs) What if they changed it to, like, uh, she's a wrestler? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I just mean in terms of what the culture of that sport is and her background. And Mm -hmm. obviously, that's a large part of the story. But, I mean, it just makes, you know, it still could have worked if she was some other sport that was at least reasonably popular. But I think figure skating was just, like, such a, you know, interesting where it's just all like everyone is a certain type of way who is a figure skater. Yeah. Right. All of the like female forward gymnastics sports, especially are so based in presentation and like image that it, it makes perfect sense that this is where the story has to go. And mm-hmm. like, there are those moments where like, uh, she's like, we also judge on presentation. Like you don't, you just don't look the part. And it's like, mm-hmm. she has to be this very American family. Whereas like, any of the like male led sports, you can sort of have like a rough and like bad boy image to you. And it's like, just only adds to your appeal, mm-hmm. but it's just another layer of like the misogyny behind sports mm-hmm. like this. And it's very fascinating. And I, it's not something that a lot of people probably think about if you don't care about the sport. I, I know I certainly didn't, but it's, it's, it makes sense once you sort of look at it and you go like, Oh, I guess. Yeah. People did hate Tanya Harding because she was considered white trash. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, uh, there actually at the time was another figure skater, like who kind of was a contemporary who had the same issue where they were technically like way better than every other skater, but just they were getting docked for presentation. Mm. Um, And it was a French figure skater named Surya Bonali, where she was like the most athletic figure skater. And it was just like a very similar thing happening in France to her where she was like, I mean, she was the nine time like French champion, but in the like international events. Yeah. I don't know why so I felt wild. the need I to I didn't know you knew just, this much about figure skating, Jeff. Yeah, I, I watched a documentary <laughs> on Surya Bonali. It's very interesting. She actually, okay. as like an F feud at all of the people who would give her low scores, she did a backflip in the Olympics in 98, which is like not legal at all, and she landed on one skate, which oh, is like wow. insane. I think I've that's, seen that footage. Yeah, like the backstory behind that's like fascinating, where mm. her whole career she was like getting docked for like, you know, presentation, even though... She was doing the most difficult elements of any figure skater. Speaking of which, the footage that you get to see of Tanya at the end is like, of course, it's like the kind of thing where like, well, obviously that's how the movie ends. But when you see her skate and you're just like, holy shit, she really is like the best of the best. And then just remembering like, she's so young and like seeing all the footage where she says the thing about how she's going to kick their butt. I'm like, (laughs) it really just makes the whole thing so somber in a way that just mm-hmm. again it's a tragedy this whole film is a mm-hmm. tragedy and watching it and just like seeing that little girl and going oh my god like it, it's fascinating a lot of people like complain about the cgi in this film when she does the triple axle trick yeah. and i'm like you have to understand nobody else can do that trick in the world that's <laughs> they a thing have no They're, other yeah. choice nine uh, i think it's that nine people in the history of the world have ever done it and like right. of the three that were available one was training for the olympics at the time so it's mm-hmm. like obviously like they could just cg the entire body but that'd be even worse and it's like i forgive it because i i know that that's the like story of why they can't do it but also because it's like you want to see the tricks being done and you don't want to see some sort of weird creative filmmaking technique where we don't get to see her skate as closely mm-hmm. because it's all going to be shot in like a long she, shot. She jumps and it's just a close up of her face. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. cut to the audience being like, wow. It's her face just spinning in circles. <laughs> oh, um, it's I would all shot like upgrade where it's just following her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I just want to say like, 
figure skating as a sport, it's probably the last sport I would want to be good at. You know, like those hypothetical questions where they're like, if you could go to the Olympics in any sport, I feel like figure skating. I don't, I mean, that one would be the most, like your nerves would just be like destroyed. Yeah. Because like one fall and you lose. Blisters, the skates just look like they hurt. But I think at least figure skaters, you know, like there's sports I would rather be, I don't know. I think that I would choose figure skating over some sports. I do love last. Have you guys ever been ice skating? Yeah. Uh, Not in a long time. I love it. I go every like winter season and it's a joy, but I also, it's like just being out there for like 10 minutes, your feet hurt. So it's, I agree with you that you're just like, how would I do that for a career? Right. Uh, sorry. I don't know if I'm really into hockey and, but I don't know how to skate. So it's like weird because in most sports when you know the sport well you can like criticize the players if they do something wrong but i'm like you know what i don't really know how hard it is what you're like doing right now with the skating so right it's gonna like let you do it i played hockey for four years as a kid but it was roller hockey because i was terrified of i just saw footage of someone getting their like throat sliced by a blade and i was like no i'm not doing that but it's yeah (laughs) it's fun i still can't criticize it though yeah right um, I'm from Minnesota, so hockey is like our whole thing, and uh, right. I'm notably, I'm like aggressively bad at ice skating, so mm-hmm. that's uh, my I have, take on that. I'm from Florida, so I have a little bit more of like a reason not to know how to ice skate, really. I'm from Texas, so I don't have a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've said like all I have to say about this film, uh, at least for the time we have. Um, I'm sure we could keep going, but does anyone have any, like, closing thoughts? Uh, I feel like Paul, this was a star-making performance for Paul Walter Hauser. He's so Mm -hmm. good and so funny in it, but also so, like, demented. And when you get to see the real guy at the end and you realize that one of the scenes that you're like, well, that's ridiculous, was real, it's just, it's another thing that cements this whole film as uh, being, like, just chaotic but true in a way that is so fascinating. Of course, it had to be a movie. I think there are like four chief performances in this film that could have easily been Oscar nominated. And mm-hmm. it's like Sebastian Stan, Paul Walter Hauser, uh, Margot Robbie and Alison Janney, of course. It's just all around such a good, it's like, it doesn't feel like the kind of movie where people go like, ah, cinema or anything, but it does feel to me like such a perfectly made film that it's so watchable and so, well written that I it's it, it's the reason I watch it over and over right oh it's so, it's so watchable and the pacing is it feels almost like a video game sometimes yeah mm-hmm. where yeah but I'm gonna say my closing thoughts are they're not really insightful but um we watched Blue Velvet a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and I thought that was the most times I've ever heard my name in a film which is Jeff or like <laughs> Jeffrey in that case they said it over <laughs> and over again but I think this is a contender because they say Jeff a lot in this film. They you should do. watch Jeff Who Lives at Home. I have not seen that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they say it a lot in that. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, that was uh, I tie it. We usually do a score like we do on Letterboxd. Uh, mm. I gave this a four out of five. Um, uh, yeah, I also gave it a four. And Demi, what if I gave it like a three and a half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, missing I, that one thing. I give it a five. I I wish I could just like 
recreate just the feelings I had when I saw it for the first time. Because I remember I went to a screening of this with a friend of mine just being like, oh, they're showing it at the WGA Theater. Do you want to go? And I was not expecting much. But I remember just leaving the theater and being like, that was really, really good. And then like they were like, oh, another screening's up in a few weeks. And I was like, I'm going to invite another friend and go again. And then like it just kept being that <laughs> when the movie came out, I'd be like, oh, has anyone not seen Itanya? Cool, let's go see Itanya. And then the screener came and I was like, oh, does anyone want to come over and watch Itanya? <laughs> and it was just like... <laughs> Uh, just a movie that I loved showing two friends and watching myself, but like not wanting to watch it myself alone. Cause it's like, why do that when there are other movies to watch, but finding reasons to rewatch it. And every time I was like, yeah, this movie floors me. And I feel like around the fourth time I started crying at different scenes and I was like, this movie's <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, anyways, that's the movie. We do have a, uh, a small little Q and a section. Where we just have, like, we have four, like, goofy little Q&As that the subreddit sends in. Uh, Oh, You guys are cool with that? Um, This first one comes from Ned Button. It is, any famous or unknown films you are embarrassed you haven't seen yet? Uh, So many. I thought this was topical because this week I'm going to be doing uh, Lord of the Rings marathon. I completely missed that uh, train. And... I'm pretty excited about it. I heard watching them all in one sitting is the way to do it. But uh I did that and it feels to me like I like I watched the extended editions all at once and I remember just leaving it going pretty good. I get it. I whatever. And I it's like mm-hmm. maybe if I'd space them out I'd be way more into Lord of the Rings, but I also think it's like if I watch it again, I'm sure I'll be like, "Okay, I get why these are good." Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I've also never I've never seen those. I just didn't think it's not my type of movie. I wasn't right. into Harry Potter. They're also just like really long. So when you like are about to sit down and watch something, I'm like, mm. yeah. yeah, it's a big commitment. To be clear, it's for a video. I'm just it's, it all comes <laughs> down for the views. <laughs> you got to do it. Got to do it for the views. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Seven Samurai or Lawrence of Arabia or Citizen Kane. That's the probably the big one. I haven't seen Citizen Kane or Lawrence of Arabia either. I've not yeah. seen Lawrence of Arabia. I'm sure but, there's uh, like a bigger one that I'm not thinking about, but Ishtar. Haven't Ishtar. seen Ishtar. You'd think I'd have seen Ishtar by now. I was gonna I say Star Wars films. prequels. I'm gonna just say Ishtar is actually a very good movie. I bet it would be. I think Elaine May could make a like. I it's just so it fun. seems like I'd and love Paul it. Williams does like all the songs. Hmm. Jeff's Ooh, not just yeah. saying that. This is your favorite movie, Jeff. Don't. It's my second it. favorite. movie. Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, Your first being behind the scenes of Ishtar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My first being that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I actually, uh, I know what my answer is for the movie. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. Oh man, that's a really good one. That's I one know, where I know I'd love it. <laughs> I would have. Here's the thing: I would have never probably watched it if it weren't for a. We had to watch it for a film class, so I was, you know, I had to sit there, and right. It's pretty good. I. Uh, you never lose interest. And what's his <laughs> name? Anthony Hopkins. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. Well, that's not my answer because I've seen it. But <laughs> um, this next one. Com- OK, uh, this next one comes from Why Begin. It is uh, first smell you think of when you see the color turquoise. Uh, I just thought I'd toss this I'm gonna one say in salt there. water. Mm. Salt water. That's turquoise. a very faint smell. I don't think so. But I was like thinking the ocean. like, I mean, I guess not, yeah. not necessarily just water with salt in it. 
I was thinking yeah, like I, a blue Jolly Rancher, even though that's not turquoise. I just <laughs> I get <laughs> the same experience. I feel like I'm thinking of like an Earl Grey tea kind of because I think turquoise and I think jewelry and then I think like a like a haughty old British woman. I'm like, okay, tea. Huh. That is completely. That was so I, many steps removed from turquoise. I know so, because my brain was like turquoise, turquoise. What's a what's the scent? And I that's you what think I landed be on. For, like turquoise feels gray. sour to me. I was gonna say gray seems more of the Earl, Earl Grey tea. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> my brain's not on that level right now. <laughs> um, this next one is uh, best movie experience from Aaron Scarecrow. This is kind of vague. I, I know there's probably a lot of answers to this. Yeah. I I don't think this movie is, like, that good looking back at it, but seeing The Hateful Eight in that, like, 70 millimeter experience that Tarantino did, I it was like I was in high school. I was just getting really into film, and uh, bless you. And we went to see this, and uh, I don't know. It was very – it was a packed house, and I had to sit in, like, the front row in the bottom left. Like, awful seating, but I had a great time with it. And right. it's probably the most memorable looking back at it. Uh, yeah. What about you guys? I'm trying to. Th- I I remember seeing Mad Max Fury Road, and like mm-hmm. at one point, my friend leaned over to me and was like, "I feel like we were watching something like important right now." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah," and that was great. <laughs> uh, watching Inception in 2010 was another one of those moments where I the movie ended, and I was like leaning forward in my chair, going like, "Holy shit!" And like, it's just movies mm-hmm. like that where it's maybe not the movie you think back on now and go, Oh, that was one of my favorite movies. But I remember distinctly being like, Oh my God, I feel a way I've never felt about movies before. Uh, whiplash mm-hmm. is one of those. Uh, the day I saw whiplash, I saw it twice because I, I got the screener in the mail, watched it. And then my roommate knocked on my door. I was like, Hey, we're going to see whiplash. And I was like in the middle of it. And I was like, Okay, yeah, I'm pausing it now, and I'm going to the theater, and I'm going to watch it there. And I remember just at the end, like, I felt like I was exhaling and leaning forward, just going like, oh, my, like, I wanted to stand up and (laughs) cheer. And that feeling is something that I don't get from a lot of uh, movies. So when I do, it feels memorable. That's, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I got to be honest, I didn't hear the question. Like, I was trying to piece it together. Oh, man. I'm sorry. No, I think I just, like, spaced (laughs) out for a second. my bad. Uh, It is best movie experience. The question was, what is a movie you have seen? (laughs) (laughs) I I was pretty sure that was the question just based off the answers, but I wasn't. We were still doing the turquoise question, to be clear. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, Whiplash, I saw at home, but it was still, like, just the experience of watching it is intense. Yeah. Um... You know what? I don't have like an answer super ready for this, so I'm just gonna let's just move on. Okay. I was gonna touch on because you brought up Damien Chazelle that La La Land is probably up there with me too. Same. I remember I was there like opening night in Chicago, and like halfway through the film, I just looked over and like half the audience was smiling. Like everyone was on the same page of like everyone happiness. Was joyful. I was like, this is. So good. I'm like not a musical guy, but and I know like musical snobs say it's not a musical, but it's right. it's such a good time. I it brought me into the fold for musicals, and that's worth it because mm-hmm. I'm not a musical guy either. But I I rem- I distinctly remember that opening sequence, watching it and just going like, oh, I feel nothing but pure joy right now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so colorful <laughs> and lovely. My friend has a, f- a f- like a a video they took of uh, when we went to see it and. 
we left and I was joking around. And I got on top of my car and started dancing and like humming the song. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That's amazing. Um, cool. Well, moving on then. Uh, this last one is actually pretty specific towards Demi. This comes from the mm. Patreon and it is, uh, have you rewatched Gilmore Girls since the podcast ended? I so have. That's not. very specific. That is yeah. very specific. <laughs> Jeff, have you rewatched so Gilmore Girls since my podcast ended? Uh, <laughs> I have not. Uh, I. It's not really. Yeah, I don't. My experience of Gilmore Girls is very specific to the podcast, and I feel like I was watching it being like, this is a nice show. I don't think it's like a comfort show for me. And I don't rewatch mm-hmm. TV shows very often. Uh, if ever, so mm-hmm. I've never had a reason to, and I don't think I would. But yeah, sorry Understood. to disappoint. Um, I, I've never seen the show, so I can't even speak on if it's if it's that. Yeah, I mean, my sister was super into it a long okay. time ago, so that's all I know about it. Nice. Um, well, that is uh, all we have for questions. We did get one comment on the Patreon that said, "Demi, a funny dude." from what's oh. so <laughs> not a question but a lovely comment so i yeah i don't know how to answer that yeah <laughs> um, have you finished those uh like theme songs yet uh no i have started on many of them but i keep getting like bogged down by the weight of being like okay 24 of these and i like just keep pausing uh, but I have made heavy way on three of them for the Haunted Mansion, Hereditary, and Marriage Story, uh, all of which I'm like, I'm mm. confident in. I just, whenever I get like deep into making something and I feel like it's just weighing me down, I'll just take a break. And unfortunately right now taking a break means picking up other creative things. So I'm just like, oh, I've started to paint and I'm teaching myself the violin and I'm sewing a lot. And I'm just like, okay, I need to stop these and get back to just finishing the song so i can stop it but <laughs> i will yeah by the way i love the uh the painting the the fox one you just did oh, thank you so much it's uh, really well done. oh actually i want to show you guys a painting that i'm doing right now for a friend's birthday that is Ooh. a nightmare and she'll hate me for it i'll be right back oh. <laughs> uh so anyways jeff uh we can talk yeah. about some non what was i gonna say i i had something i wanted to bring up that wasn't, uh, it was something for just the two of oh, us. Oh, here we go. Here he's back. <laughs> I wouldn't have grabbed it if it weren't relevant to film. It is. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. As soon as it's I'm Mulan. like, oh. it's an abstract. And then I'm like, the, no, it's the not. The goggles <laughs> pressed against each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, the poster for Moulin Rouge, but with right. minions. And with it's minions. Mignon Rouge. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman and Mignon McGregor. Wow. She's going to hate it. <laughs> I've never seen Moulin Rouge, but I had to watch like a snippet for a class. I'm in film school. And I just, <laughs> I, it felt very dated to me. I, I was it, like, this is not my thing. I don't think. It's her favorite movie and she made me watch it. And I did not like it, okay. but I felt very guilty about that. It, it's the kind, I think it falls in the same sort of, uh, realm as Mamma Mia where it's like if you watch it alone you probably will not enjoy it but if you watch it with like friends and sort of take in the goofiness and you're just like it's a jukebox musical what are you yeah. expecting it's very lovely to be fair I watched Mamma Mia alone for the first time like two years ago and it's one of my favorite movies I did get to see <laughs> a few months later I did get to see Mamma Mia 2 here we go again in theaters twice and that was 
That is my go-to guilty pleasure movie. I well, nice. love the Mamma Mia franchise. Uh, <laughs> I think I like the Mamma Mia franchise. I just think my... I, I think the second one I watched on a plane and did not like it. And the first one I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, this is lovely, but it is chaotic. In exactly. how th- they just are like, how do we get this song in here? And I was like, yeah, all right. Right. <laughs> but it is, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, I would also like to quickly bring up your, I was surprised you didn't bring up your experience with Cats. I know that was a pretty oh. good movie that, experience. That was, <laughs> I think I didn't bring it up because I, a, I forget that that happened, but B, because the movie itself was so bad that I'm like, mm, no. But yeah, my cat's experience was lovely. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. once we got there, like everyone in the, it was a very small theater, and everyone else in the theater, which was like eight other people, would cheer as soon as anyone else came in, and then they would cheer back, yeah. and we all realized, oh, we're here because we think this movie is going to be nuts. And once we realized that every single person in the theater was like just here for the chaos, then all bets were off. Like the universal logo came up and we started cheering like cats, 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 cats. And we would like, <laughs> uh, like just like scream anytime anything crazy happened. Uh, the Taylor Swift song came on and, uh, we realized that it was the Taylor Swift song. We were like, Oh, it was just like a joy. We all stood up and sang Mr. Mistopheles together at the end. When we realized the words were just the same phrase over and over, it was purely joyous. And yeah, I cherish that more than I cherish the movie itself, which is not good. <laughs> I'm very jealous of that because I I went to see it opening night because I needed to do a video on it as usual. <laughs> I went alone in a theater of people who were genuinely there because they wanted to see cats unironically and oh. no one was having a fun time. I wasn't having I was like this. So, I'm glad some people got good times out of it. Um, yeah, it was it's very it's I mean, Schrodinger's cat. You don't know whether it's going to be good or not until you open the box and go inside. <laughs> That does it for questions for today. Um, we will start closing things up. Uh, we yeah, like we to- usually do a <laughs> segment called Meme of the Week. Yeah, well, um, we're going to... Where people just make <laughs> memes uh, of Carson and I. And uh, yeah, so we're not putting you through that. We're not putting you through that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- but we will read a review. Every week we read a review to encourage you guys to leave some nice reviews. And this one comes from Martin Deff, one of our patrons. And uh, he gives it five stars and says, yo, this is good stuff. Simple as that. Thank you, Martin. We really appreciate it. Um, And lastly, we want to thank the patrons. Um, If I can open up the page. Uh, If you would like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash carscast, where you can get exclusive access to bonus episodes, Q&As, shoutouts at the end of every episode, GeoGuessr Let's Plays. I'm going to make that a part of the read. And uh, much, much more. So... We want to thank Allison Grace, Boat, Connor Holmes, Dr. Aneurysm, Eden, Ethan Kell, Hannah E., Holly Edwards. It's kind of hard to trick Jeff now that he's on to me. I think he and the other patrons need to team up. Iva, Joshua, Krizwicki, Josie Eiler, June Australian Winter, Liv Rob, Martin Deff, Mary Lee Borslow, Moses Ox, Ready Steady Ernie, Robert Burke, Sergio Palacio, Sophia Arieta, The Rat from Ratatouille, Vegard Strom, Vera S., and What's the Matter? Thank you, guys. Damn, you got the rat from Ratatouille? We got yeah, we Remy. Got rat we got <laughs> Impressive. He addresses yeah, himself he listens, as he's, He rat. told us he listens to it while he's cooking. <laughs> I mean, I'd also address myself as the rat from Ratatouille if I got a big I mean, starring <laughs> role like that. I'm, yeah. Um, I think that's it. Uh, I just want to thank you again for being here, Demi. We know I, I so listened to a bunch of the other podcasts you've been on. This is by far the most uh, <laughs> stripped down 
and yeah, amateur. We don't even have advertisers. But, uh, we don't even have advertisers. <laughs> Who needs them? <laughs> Who needs them? You're just getting we're just paid to the people. We're, just, we're not wasting anyone's time talking about stamps.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I have nothing else to say. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything else to say? Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, being on, Demi. It was nice meeting you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Flip side. Thank you.